All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We've got free agent NFL kicker Blair Walsh. Blair, how's everything going for you? Good, man. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're getting into sort of like the nitty gritty free agencies coming up next week. Um, what do you? Are there any guys that you're kind of keeping your eye on to see where they're uh, if they're going to be taken if they're going to be going into another organization or anybody that's catching your attention? I think everybody's got their eye on the quarterback situation and which one, which domino is really going to fall first and cause everybody else to have to pick a team probably too early. And you'll have teams start to reach on guys that they, they necessarily don't want to pay that much money to. I, I think the first piece you're going to have to wait for is, is Deshaun Watson. I think every team is just literally waiting on when are they going to make a decision on whether they're keeping him or not because they don't want to be the team that makes that preemptive move to go get a, you know, Marcus Mariota or Cam Newton. And then goes, wait a second. If we had waited three weeks longer, we could have had Deshaun Watson for the right price. So I think everybody's going to be really, really slow to the gun and for agency when it comes to the quarterback position, other positions, I think you're going to see guys sign one or two year deals, preferably one for them, because as soon as the cap rises again, they're going to want to get as much money as they can on the next, uh, the next free agency period next year. So I think you're going to see a lot of those specialized, highly incentivized one-year deals. So it'll be intriguing to watch. Do you think Watson would really sit out? I think in this day and age, sitting out is kind of unheard of. And I just, if you ask me my opinion, I don't think he would. I think he'd show up and play because I think he, at that point, would be affecting his own teammates. That being said, I, I don't blame him for one bit for wanting to get out of there. And then, uh, you know, you don't want to waste your prime years in a rebuilding situation. He's already given, what has it been, four years to them? And, you know, he just he needs a fresh start. He needs a new situation. And I, I think it'd be a good clean break for both of them. And I just think they're waiting to see how much they can get for him. What do, what do you think the best potential uh, destination he could go to? <sighs> That's tough. I'm a Dolphins fan from, from growing up. Um, I mean, I'm from Miami, so I should be. I like Tua, and I like Tua in their system. I think that judging Tua off of the limited action you saw him in last year is dangerous. That being said, I think he's such a perfect fit for Miami. They're a win-now-ready team. Um, other situations that I could see him going to that he would be good with, I mean, if they ever did the you know, the Las Vegas Raiders, I think he'd be, he'd be a good fit there, but Miami to me is, is a home run slam dunk. I know today I saw that the chiefs released both their starting tackles. Did that catch you by surprise? Yeah. Tough business. You tear your Achilles in the uh, championship <laughs> game and a month later, you know, you don't win the Super Bowl and you're being cut. It's, it's a tough business in the NFL and uh, nobody should feel sorry for these guys, but there is a human aspect where you have to remember that, you know, guys lose their jobs, given their all for their teams. And, you know, right now he's sitting somewhere rehabbing his torn Achilles, which is a miserable injury. Yeah. And um, I, I think the Chiefs saw what they had to do. They have to rebuild their offensive line. Um, you know, what they showed in the Super Bowl was just not good enough. Um, and I think this is their first step. I think they were kind of old on the offensive line. And both those two guys are great players, but you got to get younger, cheaper, and kind of grow. And then I want to ask you, so I know you're a Georgia guy. Are there any guys we should keep our eyes on? I cannot pronounce his name, Aziz. His first name is Aziz. I can't pronounce his last name. He's a linebacker from Georgia. Uh, he's been slated in the last, you know, the last two or three picks of the first round. But I watched him play all season. He just flies around the field. He's a game changer type linebacker. And uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name because it'll be embarrassing for me. But Aziz is his first name, and he's he's a stud. And I know what's his name. Oh, Justin Fields was at Georgia. But he's yep. at Ohio State. What do you what do you see from him uh, coming to the league next year? I think Justin Fields probably needs another year. Um, really? 
Yeah, I, I think out of the guys who are coming in ready to go, he's probably not the, the most ready to go. Um, but a, a good situation for him to fit into, he can flourish. You need a coach that's going to be patient with him. A, a sneaky one, I don't think he'll fall, obviously fall this far, but if Washington were ever to move up and get him, he's a perfect situation for Washington because he's had Cam Newton. Quarterbacks, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah they don't need it more. <laughs> I searched Aziz Georgia and the guy from Parks and Rec showed up. So I don't think that <laughs> that's not so, it. Uh, that's not it. I don't, I don't know. Ajuwari, Anjuwari, it's something along those lines. I just yeah. he's a fantastic player, but yeah. he's got one of those tough last names. Yeah, that's, that's wild. And so, want to kind of get into your career a little bit. How do you? So you said you're from Florida. How do you end up at Georgia? Started kicking when I was about 15 or 16 years old in high school. I'd never played football before, and I still to this day I've never played a position in football. Um, but for me, a friend, you know, wanted me to come out and, and try it out. And I was pretty good. And uh, I started to take it seriously, get trained. And, you know, coaches and colleges started coming to my to my school to recruit me. Next thing you know, I had, you know, 40 D1 offers. And I'm going, OK, I, this is a reality for me. And then I chose Georgia because it was the best fit where I could kick. It was good weather, good academic and football. And I mean, my goal was to always make it to the pros and Georgia just puts guys in the pros. That's what they're known for doing. So for me, it was, it was a great fit and exactly what I was looking for. What's the longest field goal you've ever hit on that somebody's got on record that they've recorded? Ooh, you mean on like film? Yeah. On film. Ooh, longest I, I, one. I'm going to, I'm going to defer this and say that I was a little bit before the film age in practice. You know, <laughs> the only time you got filmed in practice was during live team reps. Uh, but I mean, the furthest I've kicked in a practice situation with like pads on probably 71, but wind date, wind dated. And you know, that was, that was 23 year old me. So oh, that's unbelievable. Do, you, do you think they should give kickers more points for if they go maybe past 65 yards? I'm a purist. So I say, no, I like the way it is set up now. I think those, those deep kicks, you know, they're hard, but you shouldn't be rewarded extra. It's not like you're going to reward a quarterback, you know, more for a 40 yard bomb touchdown than you are for a one yard shovel pass. I mean, it's, you know, you just got to kind of take it. Why do you think so many guys had issue when they move the extra point back? I think, well, the old extra point was literally, you could almost make it with your eyes closed. Um, and for us, it was a rep in game that we got with game speed, live snap and hold, and it counted. And for us, it was like in game practice. Um, it's almost the equivalent of a quarterback doing a handoff. He gets the rhythm down. He feels it. He's now more comfortable the next time he takes the ball out from under center. Um, so for us, it was just practice. And now all of a sudden, you know, you could go a game and have four extra points, which are all 33 yards and have one field goal that was 25 yards. And you go, the hardest thing I all I did all day was kick extra points. It's, it was unnerving for us. And it was a change for us. And I think it took a lot of us a while to get used to, but once you get there, you have to just realize that you, there is no such thing as extra points anymore. They're all field goals. So when you have that mentality, you end up doing better. And so how did you, did you, um, when you got to Georgia, did you get accustomed to the game pretty easy or was it a little bit of a process? I started as a true freshman. Um, we were preseason ranked number one, oh, cool. you know, Matt Stafford, no Sean Marino, AJ Green, we were stacked. Um, they threw me in there first game. I mean, I, I earned the job. I was ready to go, but yeah. my first kick was, I'll never forget it. 52 yards, left hash. I got shoulder pads on that don't fit me. Um, my helmet's kind of turned. It doesn't fit. Nothing Nothing looks great about me, uh, you know, 18-year-old me. 52 yards, left hash, open end, open end of the end zone, bombed it, and it kind of just took off from there. Um, I think that showed the seniors and the upperclassmen and the coaches that, like, hey, this young guy, we can, 
we can at least trust him a little bit here and let's let's see how he pans out the rest of the year and you know it kind of was a great start to my career what's it like what's it like having a game-winning uh field goal as an sec kicker awesome uh you know those sec towns are uh, it's it's the truth those sec towns live and die for football so when you're the guy that you know uh, air quotes brings the win that week um you know there's some extra special treatment that's awesome um those sec towns are just unlike anything else and i would implore anyone who has not been to an sec game once things open up again you gotta go is, is georgia just like a, like a quarterback or a, a kicker factory with you and young 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 way who can pronounce that uh, I'm going to correct you on this because oh, he went, he did, he, did go, he, did, he went to Georgia Southern. I'm we thinking got, of we blanket, chip. blanket chip. I was yeah. like a blanket chip. Yeah. With the yeah. glasses. Yeah. With the glasses. Yeah. Rod's yeah. done well in Indianapolis. Uh, I think for why Georgia's such a kicker factory is that they let their guys mature. They don't, they're not quick to yank them. If they have a bad couple of games, they really, they recruit well, they pick out the guys with strong legs that have good mindsets and, you know, they're willing to take those small bumps and bruises for the long-term consistent career rather than pull a guy, bring in another one, pull him, you know, go back to the original guy. It's George is very, very patient with their kickers. Interesting. Who's the best college kicker this year that maybe we'll be hearing a lot about next year? I think the University of Miami guy, uh, Jorge Borgales, Borgales, who won the Lugros Award. He's He's got an absolute cannon. Um, you know, you watch him kick for Miami this past year. My sister's a University of Miami alumni, so... I watch, um, but he was fantastic. He was a weapon for them and they relied on him. And I always think kickers coming out in the draft, the guys whose teams relied on them, those are the guys that you have to target and be like, hey, he's got a good chance of becoming a good pro. You always have to be wary for the guys that play for those powerhouse teams where they, you know, they get nine attempts a year and not not a ton of pressurized attempts. Those are the guys where you're like, they might struggle right away in their transition to the NFL. Uh, what was your draft process like? Do you know Minnesota was looking at you? Uh, they're one of the teams that worked me out. Yeah, I mean, I went to the combine and you were you saw who was interested in you, and then you have those individual workouts back at your campus, and then you really find out who's into you and interested in, in drafting you. But I, I've said this story before. Minnesota was not one of the four teams that I thought was going to draft me. I, I thought I'd had it down to the final four, and I was like, it's one of these four cities. Let's go. You know, starting to get excited. Next thing you know, I get that Minnesota area code call. I'm, I'm going, wow, I'm, I'm going to freeze my butt off, aren't I? Unbelievable. Um, so what were those, um, those practices like? Because I know I was looking at the rosters from when you were there with Percy Harvin, just that, that special teams. What were, the, what were those kind of those practices like? Oh, man, Percy's a freak. One of the most naturally gifted athletes I've ever been around. Because um, I'm not a big guy, and Percy's a little taller than me, but Percy can't weigh more than I do. And um, so to watch him lower his shoulder and just truck guys out of the backfield, we would throw these swing passes to him. It, it was incredible. It, you were literally watching almost a slot receiver just decking linebackers and strong safeties coming up to meet him. It was, it was impressive. Um, he's one of those guys where you wish he had, didn't have those migraines and that, and that terrible health situation where that kind of stunted his career because he, he could have been even more spectacular than he was. You think about that old Seahawks wide receiver room with him, Doug Baldwin, Golden Tate, Sidney Rice. It was unbelievable. Um, yeah. So you, that draft night, did you did you think did you know you were going to get drafted, or did you think you might have to sign as a draft free agent like a lot of kickers did? Um, I'm smart enough to know that you never actually know. Um, but I, I had it down to where I thought that there was about three draftable guys in our class, and when the first two went off the board, I definitely got nervous because then, then there's no real reason for why a team has to draft you. If, if a team grades three guys as draftable, 
if two have already gone off the board, they're not going to draft you because they think they can sign you in free agency. Um, so when Minnesota did draft me, I, I was ecstatic because I, I wanted to be drafted. I wanted the team to put that capital and that investment in me because I felt like it gave me a better chance to make the team at the next level. Whereas the free agency, sometimes, you know, they'll give you a signing bonus, but they don't really have anything invested in you. Nobody wants to cut their rookie draft picks. They just don't want to. So it was important for me to get drafted. And, and I always felt that way. So for these young guys coming out, yes, you might end up in a better situation, but getting drafted is a huge thing. I think I saw Zerline went a couple of picks ahead of you. When you saw him go off the board, you're like, all right, I'm next. Uh, at that point, I had no idea. Uh, really? R Randy Bullock went off the board first to Houston, and I thought Houston was interested in me. Um, and then Greg went off the board to the Rams, and I had worked out for the Rams as crazy as this is two days before the draft for the third time. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, so I thought the Rams for sure were interested in me. And next thing you know, they take Greg. And so there's Minnesota sitting there two picks later, picking me and I'm going, okay, let's go. Who called you? Leslie Frazier. Um, cool. who was the head coach at the time. I love Leslie. You know, he's been in Buffalo now, obviously, but uh, yeah, Leslie called me and, you know, he's got that super quiet, unassuming voice for, or, you know, a stud defensive player and head coach. And I just remember being like, I don't remember anything he said. I just remember being ecstatic and, yeah. and pumped up. That's awesome. What, what was your rookie year like? Was it, was it, is it, like, let me rephrase that. Um, was it an easy adjustment for you? I know there's, I think I saw it was you, Harrison Smith, pretty good rookie class. Yeah, we had a good, and Matt Khalil made the Pro Bowl that year oh, yeah. as well. Um, yeah, we had, a, we had a great rookie class. We had three guys make the Pro Bowl um, as rookies, which is unheard of. Um, for us, Minnesota does a great job of drafting and building guys up through that way. They, they want to extend you. They want to resign you. Minnesota is not a huge go get a guy in free agency type place. And so therefore, they, they do spend that time necessary to make sure they are drafting correctly. And Every, every draft class we had, I felt like there was guys that were contributing right away. So for my rookie year, I just remember being like, wow, there's four or five guys in this class who are going to play significant time. And that just is not the case around the NFL. When you were at the rookie training camp, was there a young Adam Thielen on the practice squad running around or was that before he got there? That was a couple of years after I'd been there. Adam came as an, as like an, what, a rookie tryout guy made the team, made the, uh, made the OTA tryout list. So now he's there on OTA on a tryout basis and he is just catching everything. He's on scout team, catching everything, you know, bothering guys on the first team. And we're going, wait a second, this guy, you know, was a rookie tryout guy. Yeah. Played, played special, was on the practice squad first year, played special teams. And, and I remember there's a game against the Panthers when we were playing outside in Minnesota's college stadium. Adam was on our punt block team. Adam came screaming around the edge, stuffed the punt, picked it up, ran in for a touchdown. And that was for us, that was Adam's coming out party going, this guy belongs in the NFL and this guy's going to make plays in the NFL for, you know, years to come. What's your favorite Adrian Peterson story? Ooh, there's many. Um, playing Detroit at Detroit. Uh, my rookie year, actually, where we needed, we needed a win and, he was joking with me before the game kind of in the, in the uh, lobby at the team hotel that he was going to bust, bust his first carry for a touchdown. And, you know, if you've ever met Adrian, Adrian's the most confident guy going and it's, he's humble, but that's what helps him is his, he is the utmost confidence of what he's doing. Um, no joke, standing on the sideline, walking for that first carry, his first carry of the game, 80 yard touchdown to the house. I just was like, how, 
how did that happen? How did he call that? Just freak show moment. That was, you know, that was my favorite story of him from his performance standpoint. Are you surprised he's still going? How much longer do you think he's got? No, I'm not surprised at all. It, it, like I said, if you've met Adrian, Adrian always has this, this unwavering belief in his ability. So until someone literally tells Adrian that like, hey, we don't want you. And that's like the unanimous 32 teams across the league reject him. He'll keep playing because, you know, he's good. Yeah. He's still effective. He's changed his game from the standpoint of he can catch out of the backfield now. That used to be a little bit of an issue for him. But, you know, I admire guys like Adrian who are willing to adapt their career and take a lesser role to keep playing a game that he's been playing since he was eight. So, you know, guys like him, I admire. What was it like being on the league? Strange. A lot of waiting around. Um, I, I happen to know the two producers. That's how I got on. Um, but they were, they were awesome. I just, I, I ended up waiting around literally all day in a trailer outside of the uh, actual shoot. And my segment was only a minute long. Um, and so by the time we get in there, I'm like, holy heck, I was ready. I peaked 12 hours ago. I'm, you know, can we, uh, can we go back and shoot it then? But uh, it was a blast, you know, to be around that. And I did it with JJ Watt at the time, who was just kind of becoming the JJ Watt that you know now. So it was fun. That's wild. How many, how many people do people recognize you not from football from the show? Well, I had atrocious long hair in the show, so nobody really remembers that. <laughs> I was in that let's grow it out phase, but um, I get it occasionally. It's very random when I get it. When so your rookie year, you're unbelievable, all pro, pro bowl, and you're mm -hmm. just kind of, you're not, you're hitting everything. Was the, the were fans just kind of swarming you or is the media, what was that like? Just like a six round pick, he's killing it. Minnesota's putting him on the map. He's making, he's, he's not he's making everything. I mean, it was, it was a blast. It started to get to the point where you just felt like you couldn't miss. Um, and it just, it was odd. We kept getting the situations where we would have all these deep kicks where, you know, your first kick of the game would be 54 yards and you're going, you know, this is the NFL. There's no, there's no warm-up kicks in this league. There's no easy ones, but um, it was fun. We ended up kicking a ton of long field goals, which was, which helped me get into rhythm because once you make one of those, it really just sets the tempo for the rest of the game. Um, and that ended up happening five or six times throughout the year. Um, so it became, a, it became a rhythm thing for me. And I just, I, I felt like I could miss, to be honest. What's does with icing the kicker is if, is if for the kicker's mentality, it's just, it's kind of just like, it's like a practice shot or do you want to just tune it out? How does that work? Some guys don't like it. Some guys do. I ended up liking it because I, the way I looked at it is we're on the field so few times during the game. And when we are, we're on there for what, 15 seconds, maybe. Yeah. And so when, when you get, when you get iced, you kind of jog onto the field, they time out, you end up standing on the field for two minutes. And so you just feel more acclimated. You feel more part of the game. It's not just some quick on and off, you know, field goal attempt. And so I always liked it. It helped me calm down. And I always felt that my kick was better after, after being iced. Who are your top, top three kickers in the league today? In the league today? Um, I think Justin Tucker's the best. There's no doubt. Um, Oh no, man. Now you're making me think. I think Mason Crosby in Ooh. Green Bay doesn't get as enough credit as he do because anybody who's played in Green Bay knows that that is just yeah. one of the grossest places to play going. Um, <laughs> and then right now you got to give it to a young guy. I think Jason Sanders in Miami is, is crushing it. Uh, you know, first team all pro this past year. So I'd say Jason's in the top three right now. What's the toughest field to kick on based on just field quality? I think Green Bay again, because Green Bay has this heating system underneath their field that makes the that defrosts the ground and it makes it extremely extremely slippery so 
you know, you go out there and you, if you plant too hard on a kick, your footing loses. And, you know, I've busted my ass a couple of times in warm up and uh, embarrassed myself, but thankfully never in the game, but that, that service is pretty gross to kick on. I think you're going to say FedEx because just, they don't, they don't care. Um, <laughs> they don't care about sounds like a, home, that sounds like a home field opinion right there. <laughs> I, I mean, like everybody's always getting hurt on the field, like this, the seats, I don't know if you've ever been in the seats, their seats are uncomfortable. I can't imagine any of the, the facilities. Hopefully they're, they're building up nice. Cause as soon as they get a new name, they get a complete rebrand. They got to get the hell out of uh, Landover and bring them back towards the city. It's um, Hey, I'm against you. I actually like Washington football team. I actually like really? it. Yeah. Think- I think it's, it's got a soccer feel to it. It's got like a kind of a premier league team to it. I think it's got like a team that's playing the Harlem Globetrotters field. <laughs> it definitely doesn't roll off the tongue, but I do think there is a uniqueness about it. Interesting. If, if you have any ideas, what do you think they could make it? They, they could change it. Did you, did anybody ever bring up to you when maybe you say, Hey, we're playing Washington this week. Say, Hey, that game's kind of offensive. Did anybody ever bring that up to you during your time? It started to get, didn't it gain traction about four or five years ago where it was, it was a thing and then they kinda, it, it kind of went away and then it only got brought back up again this, this past year. Yeah. Um, it should have been changed years ago. Yeah. I mean, it is an offensive name and, um, I just, I, I happen to like the name they changed it to. I don't know. I've heard what red Hawks, red wolves. I mean, anything. I, I think I, football I, teams better than that. I mean, like FC would be cool. Cause that's kind of like a soccer, but like kinda, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's weird when you have to refer to like, Oh, what team are you root for? Football team. People think you're nuts. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I, I it, that's a great point you made. I would have said well, football club. Uh, I like that. The FC is cool. Like that. Yeah. The team does have a little bit of a gimmicky. You are right. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Um, what was Pro Bowl like? Pro Bowl was fun. I remember <laughs> I remember being being a rookie, you know, you don't know how really the Pro Bowl works or anything. And I remember was it going Orlando to or Hawaii. Hawaii. There we go. I remember flying from Atlanta to Hawaii through LA to Hawaii. And I got there and I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this real seriously. I'm going to have a great pra- great week of practice and have a great game because, you know, I just had one of the best seasons of all time. So I'm thinking, okay, I need to carry that on. And I remember our first practice, we go to this, you know, shitty Hawaiian high school field. It's, I mean, it's raining. It is disgusting. And uh, we have four reps. I make one of the four and I'm just like, what's going on? Like what just happened? And long story short, I get back to the hotel. I brought my snapper and punter out with us. And um, my snapper comes up to me and goes, hey, you know, Jason Witten is, right? I said, yeah. He said, Jason Witten just pulled me aside and uh, actually asked me, he said, uh, hey, is that a, that kicker you guys uh, brought with you? Is, is he actually any good? And I just remember at that point, I had the, you know, light flick on moment. I said, okay, this week's about having fun. Let's not take it so seriously. And I ended up having a killer game. So it worked. <laughs> It's awesome. Year two was there. It's kind of like, you just kind of like felt you like bit it more in the rhythm or was there any difference in your preparation in the off season? Year two was tough because we weren't a great team year two. So I found that it was hard. You know, we didn't have a lot of close games. We didn't have a lot of meaningful moments. So it was, it was hard to get rid of them. We still had a good year. I had a good year personally, but we struggled as a team. So um, that was tough to go through. And that was really the eye-opening experience to me of being like, you know, Hey, the NFL, you can be in the playoffs one year and, you know, top five pick the next. So that was tough. What's practicing like a kick, like a practice, like for you is just, just kicking or a little bit of everything. What do you guys, what do you guys do for practice for special teams? A lot of the way I like to define it is called hurry up and wait. You get ready and then you kind of wait, you get ready and you kind of wait. You don't know when your opportunity is necessarily coming. Um, Cause sometimes they'll have you kick during scrimmage type situations. And I mean, scrimmages can last for, you know, an hour and a half. And next thing you know, you've had two field goal attempts and you've been ready the entire time. So it's, there are those moments where the practices are long for you, but 
in terms of physicality, it's, it's, it's nothing. Um, you know, you stay ready and you train a lot, you do a lot of weightlifting, you do a lot of stretching, you know, we're probably closer to the strength and conditioning staff than anybody on the team because they spend the most time with us. Um, but yeah, it, it, the practices are something you have to learn to manage and you have to learn when to kind of peak during these practices. You know, you don't want to get out there during warm up and just start crushing balls and then, you know, not kick for another hour and a half. That's counterproductive. So I was, I was talking to a uh, former, uh, he coached with the Jets, um, with the Falcons, and with the Washington football team, uh, Ben Kotwika, former special teams coordinator. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I I know. Pitched, and I pitched him an idea to improve field goals. I know you're, you you like how it is, but I got an idea to make the game a little bit more interesting. Are you familiar? You know, you know, horse with basketball is kind of going one from one. Each right. Player. I think they should do that. You could you should implement that into the game. And with kickers, you could say off the upright. And if you call it off the upright, maybe on an extra point, you get two. But if you call off the upright and it goes in, but not off the upright, you don't get anything. I will tell you that there will be almost zero kickers who choose that because <laughs> hitting that upright, it, it, it ends up happening a lot more than it should, yeah. but it's not yeah. that easy. So really, <laughs> um, no, it's really not that easy. And uh, But that is funny, of course. I like that. I've heard that. So I've heard what you just said, the horse idea, but that's how you determine the game in overtime. I've heard that. Yeah, I think Pat awesome. McAfee has said that before. Yeah. What, what do you think of these new these new um, possible rule changes with the onside kick in overtime? I think they need to do something. I think right now it's almost impossible to get it. Um, no running up start, so the other team's going to get the ball first, no matter what you do. You know, in the old days it was dangerous, but you could you could at least have that ten yard run up where those guys are full speed by the time your foot hits the ball, and in ten yards they have a decent chance of getting there. Now it's like you know that ball has to have some weird hop and hang in the air for forever in order for your team to have any chance or or you're counting on, quite frankly, one of the return guys to just screw it up. Yeah. And I think there needs to be some sort of happy medium there where you do keep guys safe, but you allow it to have more than a, what, 3% chance? Yeah. Did you practice onside kicks? Like, do they say, hey, here's 15 minutes of practice. Just try to catch the, catch the return team. Yeah, onside kicks are one of those things where once you practice them, you kind of have it in the bag, but you just have to make sure you're, you're just, like, fine-tuning it. It's not like free throws where you have to continuously practice them, but yeah. – you know, maybe once a week for five minutes, I'll hit a couple of the ones that I'm good at and a couple of the ones that I'm not great at and move on. Cause I mean, what you could do it maybe three times a year. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cause I know, I don't know if you ever saw, um, a longest yard. Yeah. I have. You remember, um, the guy, uh, I forget the hell that guy's name, the guy who was like the backup quarterback who couldn't play quarterback, but he was the on Brucey, 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 Brucey. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce is a legend. Him and Tracy Morgan, that was fantastic. Um, but yeah. <laughs> they had him as the onside kicker, and I could do that. That, like, just kick it. Nobody knows where it goes. Like, I feel like that's that's my strong suit. Is, it's just is, not it's, – it's, it's funny you said that. It's just hard to replicate. So, yeah. like, you can hit it and have no idea where yeah. it goes, but the next time you hit it, you could go five yards, and the next thing, you know, your coach is going, wait a second, you didn't even get it 10 yards? What's wrong with you? So it, it's it's a completely unreplicable thing, so therefore it's hard to practice it. Have you guys, did you guys ever in a game, like try to throw off the defense, like maybe in like the first through third quarter, just like maybe audible to go on onside? Cause I do it in Madden all the time. It throws off the person. I never get it, but I do, <laughs> I do it in Madden. You just go for the onside kick in the middle of the second quarter. The person's like, what the hell are you doing? I've never gotten it back. Eventually it's going to happen. Have you guys ever done that just to throw off the defense? Be like, what the hell are they doing? We've done, we've done surprise ones, um, but never done, never audible to it. Um, I think the, the scariest one I ever had, we played Miami and we got a punt blocked out of the end zone at the end of the game. So now it's a safety. We need the ball back to go get it into field goal range to score. You can't use a T after a safety. 
So I literally, I, I was the guy to do this, not our punter. I literally jogged out to the 20 yard line, held the ball in my hands, motioned him and onside kicked it out of my hands to try to get the ball back. So that's the weirdest one we've ever done, but I, it's hard to audible to it because a, a coach doesn't want to give that much, uh, that much say to a kicker and be, you know, most teams are ready for it. You would make the games so much more safe. Have you ever had to chase a guy down on a kickoff? Plenty of times. Uh, I've tackled Devin Hester before, which is my claim to fame, uh, <laughs> yeah. AKA Devin Hester. He's going to mention you when he gets into Canton. He's going to say, I remember that. He should. I mean, heck he's had a couple of games against me. He should. I did stop him one time from taking it to the house to, to win the game. That was, that was sweet. Um, he's, he's amazing though. He was one of those guys who were so hard to tackle. Um, you'd scheme all week to not kick to him and he'd still find a way to run under the ball and get it. It's just, you know, for us trying to tackle a guy, it's not a natural thing, um, especially for guys who never played football, you know, basketball and soccer all my life. So um, it's always, it's always an unnatural feeling when you got a, a guy running full speed at you and you're not running at him and you're just trying to find a way to get in front of him and, and alter his path. So not fun. Did they ever have you do tackling just just in case that that thing uh, that opportunity presented itself? Yeah, I've had special teams coach have us do tackle drills. It's uh, it's a sight to see. Let's put it that way. That would be electric to see. And then of course you've got the long snapper out there coaching you up, telling you how to do it. You know how to tackle, and, and you know he's got one tackle his entire yeah. career. So yeah. No, yeah, it's always funny that you know us wa watching us do tackling drills on the sideline is actually probably the most comedic part of practice you could ever you yeah. could ever imagine. Yeah, because I because I know especially this year I've seen it. I don't know if they're training the returners. They'd be like when the kicker or the punter is the last man in defense, they just kind of say juke them and then they they score every time. Yeah. Yep. I think the biggest mistake returners make when they get to the kickers, they feel like they have to put on a move. And honestly, if they ran straight and fast, and like you just said, barely sh shoulder shook, you'd get most kickers. Who's the best returner you've ever seen besides Hester? Uh, played with him on my team, Cordero Patterson. Freak, absolute freak. Um, he was so good that one year we would allow him, our coaches would allow him to stand nine yards deep in the end zone, jump up and catch any ball that was going out of the end zone because we wanted him to return it. You know, some guys are good. They keep all the end zone. It, it was it was a sight to see. He literally had the green light to return anything at any time whenever he wanted. Because and Cordero's really great at doing what yeah. we just talked about, making that one cut and going. He doesn't he doesn't try to cut fifteen times like a punt returner would. He just kind of makes the one cut, hits the hole, and he's a big dude, so it, it's hard to tackle him. But uh, I think Cordero will be in the Hall of Fame one day as a returner, which is pretty insane to think about. Which NFC North city has the best weather? That's kind of like an oxymoron, right? <laughs> I think you're going to say Detroit. As I was thinking, I'm like, I'm like, there's no right answer. Best weather? Yeah. Because you're from Florida and you're going up, going up north. It must have been a... Well, I mean, technically, isn't Chicago the most southern? Uh, technically. I think it is. I had to look at a map. I, I think Detroit's Detroit. Yeah. Detroit, Green Bay, and Minnesota are all close on yeah. the uh, latitudinal line. I think Chicago's a little bit further south. I would How say Chicago... But the wind probably would, would probably put them out of it. Maybe Minneapolis, honestly. Interesting. Is, is, is Minneapolis as cold as people say it is, like in the wintertime? How, how cold does it get? Yeah, because it's very flat and the wind whips through it. It's very like a you know prairie flat state. And um, yeah, it's pretty cold. It's brutal. That's wild. So I want to fast forward to 16th season, um, Seahawks game. Everybody's seen it. You mm -hmm. put three in, gets, gets to the uh, final kick of the game. What was going through your mind? make it. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was in a rhythm. I was feeling good. Yeah. I, I thought for sure I was going to make it. No doubt. Was it a good snap? Was it wind or just, just a free thing? 
it just was one of those situations where um, it happens so quickly. And by the time it's over, you couldn't even really diagnose it until, you know, days later. Um, if I look back at it, I would probably say that it was the whole operation was just rushed a little bit. I, I rushed it and that's on me because I'm going to control that operation. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of hard to explain. There was a, anybody that's watched the kick. There was a lot of factors that went into it. Um, but in the moment, you just, it, it happens so quickly. You have no idea why or how. And uh, you just, in that situation, you don't have a chance to move on. So it, that's the, that's the most heartbreaking part about those moments is that, it's not like you missed an easy kick and you go, Hey, I still have time to recoup it. You know, you miss an easy kick and your season is over it. It's devastating feeling, but um, I've mentioned this before. I was very fortunate that year to be around teammates that were veterans that had been with the program for forever and had seen me have success. So I never felt like I had let them down more than I'd already did myself. Like they never made me feel that way. Yeah. So for that, I, I'm, I'm always grateful and, you know, I can always look back and have, and have good memories of that time. And nobody brings up the first three you made in a row. Like, <laughs> hey, like, hey, you wouldn't even be here. It'd be besides my family and friends and my agent, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it would have been 10 nothing without me. So right. we were you're lucky we were in it. Exactly. Um, yeah. We'll put it that way. And Vikings fans, like, have they forgiven you yet? Or are they still mad? You'd have to they've ask. Had some, they've totally had honest. some success since then. They've had some success. Yeah, I mean two it's, year, year, move on. You know what? I, I, I feel like I've been fortunate enough to 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 learn this and be taught this when I was young, you don't play the game for the fans, good or bad. I mean, you're going to be on both sides of it. I've been on both sides of it. And if you feed off of the fans and their emotion, you're always putting yourself in a dangerous space um, because that's not, that's not consistent. You don't know when you're going to get the same consistent support and you don't know when the negative stuff's going to stop. So you have to be so self confident and so self-motivated so self-aware that you can't let fans play that that role but i've said this before the majority of fans i've ever come across in minnesota are wonderful people and they've always yeah. been wonderful to me yeah and i think the people that are the most negative are the, the keyboard warrior people that won't ever say it to your face that's a I've nice way to put before. trolls they're trolls, they're trolls. They're yeah their mother's I've basement said this saying mean things all the time right I, i've mentioned this no one has ever come and said a negative thing to my face about that kick ever think about that really Never. So that just goes, it's a good lesson for kids yeah. and, and young and young athletes in our, in our society today, man, a, it, you know, the internet's a terrible place sometimes yeah. and B people forget people move on. It's, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. I would be more cocky about it. I'd be like, Hey, like there's 32 kickers in the NFL. I was one of them. I'm out of bed. Oh, I, I mean, that's, that's how you have to think. Yeah. <laughs> so what was it like going on to Seattle? Was it good down to get a fresh start? Just kind of moving on. Blast had, had, had an absolute blast in Seattle. Um, kind of really fell in love with the game of football again in Seattle. Anybody that's been around Pete Carroll's system and culture, it's just, it's infectious. I mean, you know, your team meetings are just, they have your attention from start to finish. He's just, you know, you're always motivated. He's the ultimate players coach. He's loyal. And the way that whole Seattle system operates is that they want to accentuate what you do well and not focus on correcting stuff that you don't do well. I, and, and I say that, Obviously, they're going to correct mistakes, but they're not going to sit there and go, man, you're not a good drop back corner. We got to work on your drop back till you get it correct. They're going to say, hey, you know, you're, you're better at press. Let's find ways to get you in more press situations. It's, it's simple stuff like that that makes Seattle so elite from other programs. And it's why they've had a winning record now for what, you know, 10 straight years almost. It's pretty insane. Pete Carroll ever share his gum? No. 
He shared really? a lot of books though. He would leave he would leave books in my locker every other week. So yeah, he's a big book share. I figured he's like the kid in class. It's like, hey, I got gum and everybody because he's I've, I've no, he wants it. <laughs> so who's I talking to? Um, I was talking to Chad Brown because I think he coached there for a year because he said he's got like big big things of gum. I'm like, you must share. Um, that's um, did you ever get to meet Macklemore? No, I never did. No, I feel like that's in I a know. contract. Like I get to see him once a week. Right. Yeah, I'm yeah. disappointed too. Um, what you, so there's all this stuff with Russell Wilson. Do you think he's gonna upstand? I hope so. Yeah. Um, I think Russell anywhere else than Seattle kind of doesn't feel right. Um, yeah. I mean, he's meant so much to that city and he's yeah. phenomenal. Uh, I hope he does stay. I hope they work, they find a way to work it out. And I hope for some reason us and all the media is kind of blown out of proportion a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I would love to see Russell Wilson in a yeah. Seattle Seahawks uniform for the rest of his career. Just Absolutely. make me happy. Was Marshawn on the team when you were there? Marshawn was not, no. We had Chris Carson his rookie year, and yeah. Chris was – you knew Chris was going to be good in training camp when he was just running people over in uh, padded practices, and uh, you knew that he was destined to be a, a, the perfect Seattle running back. Was Lockett the, the, the all-time returner when you were there? Lockett was a returner while I was there, um, and he was just kind of coming into his own as a receiver, so he was, he was stud too. As well. I saw that you you got a shot with the Saints this year as like a, like a COVID thing. What was that like? Uh, they needed a guy to come in and be for better, for lack of a better word, an insurance policy during their playoff run in case uh, their starting guy got COVID and, yeah. you know, went there, tried out with another guy, beat him out and, uh, you know, was signed. And it was, it was good for me to kind of get back in that situation where I got to compete against somebody for a job, you know, I'll be at a job that, yeah. That was not really what I wanted. I want to, you know, I want to play. I want to be a starter. But, you know, like I've mentioned this before, every time you're in the NFL, it's just an absolute privilege and blessing. And for me, I just felt like it was a way to keep my name alive and show people that I am still really, really good at what I do. How, how long were you there? Uh, probably a month. Interesting. That's what, you, you think Breeze is done? Because he still hasn't, he still hasn't retired. I mean, I have my sneaky suspicion that he's not. But I mean, yeah. there's no inside information to that. I can guarantee you. But I just, I think Drew's the ultimate competitor, and it's tough to to go out that way. I know that nobody gets their perfect ending, and you know, walks off into the sunset. Besides, maybe John Elway. But you know, even John Elway wanted to play more. It was yeah. more health issues. He wants to. He wants to play now. He, he, yeah, he, yeah. He him, and Troy, him and Troy Aikman want to suit up and go play in the parking lot. Honestly, um, I'd, be, I'd be all for it. No, you, me too. I'd tune in. But Drew, I think Drew's the ultimate competitor and he does not want to go out that way. So uh, unless New Orleans is just 100% set on Jameis, I don't know why you wouldn't let Drew come back. Now that you have Taysom and he's had starting experience, you know, I'd, I'd let Drew come back. That's for sure. Interesting. Were, were you at the game against uh, Tampa in playoffs? I was, yeah. When Jameis threw that touchdown, when you were like, all right, keep him in. No, absolutely not. No. Really? No, He's I, 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 I can see <laughs> Jameis is a great player. I think Jameis will, will go to another team at some point and, and ball. I do. I think the, the Tampa thing was toxic, toxic for him. Um, so for me, no, in that moment, no, but I do, I will say this. I remember texting my friends afterwards and going, man, anybody who says Tom Brady can't throw the football and he's kind of washed. They're crazy because he was slinging it that day. Were you surprised they won the Super Bowl? In the moment, yeah. But when I look back on it, no. I shouldn't have been. I do it every year. 
does does Jameis do like insane stuff in practice? Like, is he just like a, it was watching him? What is it like? I would love to answer that question, but I'm telling you, when I say that I was in New Orleans a month, it was mostly quarantine because I, they didn't want me anywhere near anywhere else. It was it was not a it was not a fun experience. It, like designated it was fun survivor. Like designated yeah, exactly. Character. Yeah, that's me. I'm the guy that didn't go to the inauguration speech. That's me. <laughs> Like Kiefer Sutherland 2.0. That's right. That's wild. And then you said you went back to school, um, got your degree. What yeah. Strange um, because, you know, you're a third year old. In Athens. Online, online. But you still have a ton of group work and group projects. And, you know, you're dealing with people who are 19, 20, 21 years old. They're trying to, you know, finish their degree 10 years younger than me. So it was different. It was a different experience. But I, I will say I'm super fortunate. Georgia has this program where, you know, they help their student athletes figure everything out. Like I, to me, the toughest part was navigating which courses that I needed for each requirement and which classes would transfer over. It was, it was mind boggling to look at some of the stuff, but then, you know, their support staff at Georgia is amazing. And the fact that they offered it to me 10 years after I'd been there is even more impressive. So I, I'm extremely grateful for that. And I'm grateful for those institutions that do have those types of programs. Were you the oldest guy in the class? For sure. Yeah. Really? I had like a 40-year-old guy in one of my classes one time. So Did I, you really? Yeah. It was it's, it's weird because you're like, oh, okay, they're kind of maybe they're going back to school, but it's it's still weird. But it, that's that's unbelievable. And you it was even weirder when we had to give the presentation on like, hey, what have you been doing for the last, you know, 10 years? And I was like, well, um, yeah. <laughs> Playing football, sorry. <laughs> did, did your teacher know you played in the NFL, the professor? Did they know? Yeah, so they do. And like I said, the program that Georgia has, they do a good job of kind of introducing you to the teacher beforehand. So they know your situation. So they're going, hey, you know, this is where this guy's coming from. I, I made it a point though. I wanted to finish with with four A's and I did. So I'm proud hey, of that. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. And then it's got one last question for you. You have any bold predictions for the off season for the draft or as we get ready for the next season? <sighs> bold prediction. Um, I mean, like I said, is it bold to say that Deshaun goes to Miami? Probably not. What? Deshaun goes to Miami and then um, Justin Fields finds his way to Washington. I think Fields to Washington is kind of bold. Hey, I have it on record. I'm I'm good with this Cam Newton thing. I have it on record last quarantine period, so last March. My friend hosts a podcast, and uh, he had me on, and he asked me the same type of question, and I said, Cam Newton to the Patriots makes a ton of sense. And he laughed at me, and a month later, he signed, so – Maybe I have clairvoyance on Cam Newton and Ron Rivera. Who knows? Yeah. Is Cam done? You think he's going back to New England? No, I don't think he's done. Um, no, I, you never bet against guys like Cam Newton. You just can't. Yeah, I think he's a vegan. Can the vegan quarterback? Can that thing work? I feel like you need, you need meat. Hey, if, if vegan means I look like Cam Newton, sure, I'll do it too. <laughs> you got to get got to wear the hats though. That's the thing. I can't do the I can't do the hair though. I, I can't grow my hair that long. I've already tried it. Remember, it looks terrible on me. Yeah, no, he, he looks like the kind of guy that likes to feed pigeons at the park. Um, <laughs> that's a, and then, how can people find you on social media? Keep up with you and see everything you're doing. Uh, I'm Blair Walsh underscore three at Instagram, and my regular Twitter handle is Blair Walsh three. Outside of that, I mean, you know, you'll see me through through various publications, and uh, I try to stay a little bit active and give my opinion when it's wanted. So it's fun. Awesome. Awesome. It's been a blast having you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You know, it was fun.